0: One, two, three, and we are live. So, first of all, I want to uh, thank all of you for the great feedback um, on the podcast we did yesterday. This is sort of a part two to that podcast. And today's show is called Coronavirus Fears Causing Housing Crash Your Nine Step Action Plan. So, what this is going to be is a drill down on all the things you must be doing in preparation for, frankly, what might be a housing slowdown. I didn't really talk about this much yesterday, and we probably should have. Um, when you have a slowdown in the market like for example i remember after september 11th and you and there's other things that have happened too if you've been in the real estate market not just september 11th the tech bubble crashing back in the 90s you know just all kinds of things what you see is you don't see the negative fallout in the housing market right away you usually see it 60 to 90 days in the future so in other words people won't be signing contracts that otherwise would have been signing contracts because they're nervous people are going to not be acting in rational ways and you're going to be stuck with thinking you have some closings that aren't closing. And Julie had actually something very uh, strange happen to one of her clients yesterday because of the stock market that uh, took a big step back, the biggest correction in the stock market since 2008. And here's how tactical and practical not being aware of the ramifications of that could have on your real estate business. So first of all, Julie, welcome to today's show.
1: Thank you. It's always good to share this show with you. And yes, there were a total of three interesting cases yesterday. And I have to say, for a second, it kind of reminded me about the day that you and I both knew something big was happening in 2007. Now, I don't think that it is exactly like that, but as a coach, it did kind of have that feel for a minute. So we're going to be cautiously optimistic. We're going to plan for the worst and hope for the best so that you guys are 1000% prepared no matter what happens.
0: Tell your story about um, the yes. uh, yeah stock market story.
1: Okay, so uh, this is from one of my elite coaching clients, my one-on-one clients. And she was telling me about a buyer of hers that was putting a, a lot of money down, okay? Uh, but it was disclosed that it came from the stock market. Seller did not even counter it. Seller also got mad at their listing agent to the point where they actually hung up on them saying, how can you bring me something like this? That you know is related to the stock market. So, buyer goes away, sellers have mad at their agent for a while. I think both sides are going to eventually end up coming together, but it, it was very dramatic. Now, uh, the other one that tanked was due to somebody being employed by a Korean car company. Okay, who lost confidence that she would have her job long enough to proceed with the mortgage and the closing and all of that. So, interesting things going on. All of this goes back to pre-qualifying and how you present your deals. and We're going to talk about nine steps to take so that you don't get caught in the drama and lose deals over it.
0: And this is really, a. all of you should be taking notes on all these points. These are really drilled down points that are going to help you to keep deals together when other agents aren't able to put them together. And this is, a, really frankly, this is a, should be your go-to whenever you're presenting an offer or getting an offer, if you're a listing agent, and making sure you're checking all these boxes. So before we get to point number one, I remind all of you, and we're going to be talking about Real Estate Treasure Map at point number four, but make sure you've downloaded your absolutely free Real estate treasure map, and that is your fill-in-the-blank business and life plan. And the easiest and quickest way for you to get that, just go ahead and do it now, is just text the word Harris, H A R R I S to 31996, text the word Harris to 31996, and we'll text you back a link where you can go and download not just the real estate treasure map book, but several other books, 12 month lead generation plan and things of that nature. No strings attached, no monkey business, (laughs) you know, nothing going on. Just click the word or just text the word Harris. To 31996 it's our way of saying thank you for being a loyal podcast listener by the way um, this podcast now in the last reporting period has something like 7.3 million listens which makes it by far the nation's number one listen to daily podcast for real estate agents so thank you very much for that and our book Barnes, our book that's at barnes and noble and obviously on amazon and all your other normal booksellers um, Harris rules continues to sell extremely well, and we understand there's some big reorders that are happening now. So if you've not purchased your book, the, um, obviously the easiest and the quickest way might just be going to Amazon, but if you want to go to a bookstore, it should be there. And we always love it when you guys send us, um, pictures of the book on your local bookstore at, at the airport and whatnot, it makes us feel good. <laughs> so continue please to do so in the meantime. I want you guys really to take notes, stay drilled down, stay focused because some of these points might not be every point, but some of these points are going to be the difference between you making money when others aren't or you suffering like others might. So point number one, Julie.
1: Point number one is communicate way, and by way I mean with lots of A's in the middle, way more than normal with your active listings, your motivated buyers, your pendings, your leads, mass communication. I want you to actually attempt to over-communicate. I invite all of you to have one of your, you know, your pendings or your leads. I want somebody to call me and say, what are you teaching these people? They just won't leave me alone. Try to over-communicate. They need to hear from you. Back to you, Tim.
0: Well, so that's the main thing is staying in communication and contact with folks. And we talked a lot about that yesterday. Um, with regards to your centers of influence and past clients. So make sure you listen to yesterday's podcast. It was a two-parter. It gave you an actual drilled down plan on what to do with your COI and past clients. All right, now here's the next one. This might seem a little bit weird, but just let us explain it. Point number two is you need more leads, more appointments. Expect nervousness from sellers and buyers, no-shows, reschedules. Overcompensate with follow-up, more confirming, uh, more contact, you're really going to have to, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, you're going to have to work probably twice as hard, not just generating leads in a market like this, but also basically making sure you're thoroughly pre-qualifying all of your leads. One of our most popular scripts forward slash conversation outlines, part of our premier coaching program, takes you through asking all those tough questions. But I'll just summarize it with this. If you're focusing on listings, which all of you should be in a market like this, because, you know you know what, Julie, we really should drill down and remind them why they want to focus on listings. We should do that. Sure. All right, well, so here's really the thing to keep in mind. When you're focusing on listings, you're going to get motivated sellers, and when you're focusing on buyers, you're, you, there's no such thing as a motivated buyer. Let me explain that in more detail. So there's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. They don't exist. And in a market like this, what you're going to see is the people that are going to essentially back burner buying a house or doing a real estate deal with you are going to be the ones that are generally speaking buyers. They're going to be the ones that, you know, say, listen, I'll wait for the clouds to clear. I'll wait for myself to feel more calm. But here's the problem. What's going to happen is this coronavirus is probably going to adversely affect the housing market for the first half of the year. And then the second half of the year, it's all going to be about the election. So what you're going to see is a lot of people who might seem motivated now slowly lose their motivation and because they're always going to have an excuse and say things like, well, I'm just going to wait till next year. That's the reason, ultimately, buyers are never motivated. They're never as motivated as a seller, at least a motivated seller. So buyers don't have to buy. They can always rent. They can always stay put. Now, on the seller side of things, you can find tons of reasons why a seller has to sell. And the seller's going to want to have to sell no matter what's going on in the politics or what's going on in the news or what's going on with tornadoes in Tennessee or whatever heck else is going on in the news. So you need to focus on the people that actually have to do transactions and that's going to be sellers. Buyers are going to be the ones that break your heart because they're going to be the first to take themselves out of the market. I'm sure some of you are already experiencing that. Um, I'm going to read this next point, Julie. See, uh, point number three, ch- track interest rates. By the way, they went down a half point and, uh, to, and talk to all your past clients, centers of influence, great excuse for a relentless lead follow up. Interest rates, we did this article uh, yesterday on our main website, timandjulieharris.com. The interest rates were reduced by um, half a point. Now, unlike, say, maybe 10 or 15 years ago where interest rates were uh, tied to LIBOR, London Interbank, they're no longer tied to LIBOR. So you're going to see when the Fed lowers rates, interest rates on mortgages are going to go down too. And like they did today, they went down the following day. Now, what I've heard, what I've read, what we're hearing is that they're projecting – if the coronavirus does continue to have a set uh, cause a setback in the economy and now everyone's saying there's going to be a global recession and things like that so the the sort of now i realize some of this is politicized news but don't think we're naive about that but at the end of the day most people reading the news aren't going to differentiate between political propaganda versus real news about um, an actual you know, pandemic or whatever. Again, we're not trying to freak you out because thus far there's no signs it's going to be a pandemic and coronavirus is in essence like um, a nasty case of the flu. But that's not how people are going to perceive it. They're going to go in fear and panic mode. That's, what, that's, the human nat- that's human nature for most people because they don't stop and think about what they're reading and what the motivation is behind the person writing it. Maybe, you know, for example, they might be reading something in the news about just normal news and all of a sudden there's a story about mask shortages or some silliness like that, which does cause people to go into a bit of a panic. It's a sort of a, an, a um, response that they can't control. So, when you're dealing with buyers, again, if your sole financial fortune is t- uh, tied to selling houses to buyers, you're going to run into some serious hardship. You need to focus all your best energies on those drilled down sellers. So, again, track interest rates, talk to your past clients, centers of influence and again the lowering of the rates yesterday if all of you are not on the phone talking with your centers of influence your past clients your neighbors your friends and family if you're not doing that telling them about the lower rates you're really missing a huge opportunity there's not a person out there who's not going to hear about what lower rates mean to them and what you might want to do to really make this powerful is call your lender and and get them to write a um so like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar house with rates like they were yesterday versus rates like they are today. You know, and take it on up. So when you're talking to someone says maybe has a $500,000 mortgage, you could say, well, if you refinance now, here's what you're going to experience in terms of a lower payment and obviously less interest you're going to pay. Those are the types of conversations when you have, when you have those with folks during times of stress like this, you're going to discover quickly that you all of a sudden have carved out a place in their minds of real respect and caring. And they're going to remember that and do deals with you. Julie, point number four.
1: Yes. Point number four is to increase your magic number, talk about that in a second, by 20 20- 25 percent. What is your magic number? Your magic number is the number of listings that you must have, active listings, at all times in order to drive enough business to have consistent closings which meet your treasure map. Okay, So that means that you've gotten the treasure map, you've done the math, and you know what your magic number is. Again, it's that number of active listings that you have to have which generates closings on both the listing side and potential buyer side. Why are you having to increase it by 25 percent? You've gotta get in front of the market by overcompensating and knowing that some, maybe your magic number's been 10 for a couple of years and it's been great and you've had really predictable closings every month and 10 has been awesome. But now, maybe two of them are getting a little freaked out. Maybe one of them works for a company that's more affected. Maybe their company's tied to China or Korea, for example. Maybe you know they really felt the stock market adjustment. So you have to overcompensate for that because the natural tendency is going to freak out and take the house off the market or freak out and not close if you're a buyer. So you've gotta be the one who overcompensates. Maybe your new magic number is more like 12 or 15, and then you'll feel a lot better when it inevitably happens that you lose two or three of them out of reasons that you have no control over. So imagine if you've been bubbling along at 10, everything's fine, selling pretty fast, and you lose two or three. That's a pretty big impact. Versus when you're at 15, thinking your number probably should be 10, maybe two of them can take a break for a while, and you're not panicking at that point. We want you to get in front of this. Back to you, Tim.
0: Right. And so, Julie, actually, I want you to do point number five, too. This is something you talk about a lot with our PC clients. Um, Before Julie gets to point number five, a quick reminder, a lot of you are asking us questions about eXp Realty. If you'd like to receive a quick um, seven-minute video about eXp Realty, just text the word eXp to 31996 text the word EXP to 31996. When you do, you'll be texted back a video, check the video out, and then decide if you're ready for next steps. When you are, you can just, uh, obviously, you can give me a call directly at 512-758-0206. And again, if you're really urgent about joining EXP, you've already done your research, you know it's for you, Um, I'd love to talk with you urgently, (laughs) 512-758-0206. But for the rest of you who are EXP curious, the quickest and easiest way for you to learn more about EXP Realty is just text the word EXP to 31996. Now this next point, guys, this is a huge point with a fair amount of detail. Um, So Julie, just jump right in.
1: Yes. Point number five, excuse me, point number five, know the finance situations more clearly than you normally do. Now I think that that point Is valid No matter what kind of market's going on, because this is something that gets them into a lot of trouble typically. But know the financial situations more clearly than you normally do on all of your own buyers, as well as the ones who are buying your listings. Beware of the boilerplate lender's letter. And, you know, we probably should do a whole show on that, right? So when a buyer is all fired up, they're ready to write an offer. They talk to the lender. The lender, you know, you guys, my grizzled veterans know this. They have a boilerplate letter, means it's pre-written. All they have to do is type in the person's name and type in the amount and send it over. And it doesn't have that much detail. It just says that, you know, they're pre-approved pending an appraisal and not much else, okay? Because they don't have to tell you all of the skinny on the buyer's situation. Now, yes, it is okay. It is appropriate. It's actually your job to call the lender and ask what they see that might get in the way of closing. Now, we talked about this in Premier Coaching uh, as well as with some of our elite clients. We had this thing called the ultimate addendum, and we've done podcasts on this, that what it does, it's a counteroffer in most cases, or at least an addendum, that forces the lender to get cooking on the underwriting faster, okay? Why do your deals fall apart at the 11th hour? Because lenders like to wait till your buyers get through home inspections and all the rest before they spend much time on it. Then they put it in underwriting. Underwriting's when they actually check everything to make sure there's a down payment, the down payment is big enough, the funds are seasoned, the ratios are right, the credit hasn't changed, all of those things that wreck your deals within three or four days, sometimes three or four hours, you can cure that by using the ultimate addendum and my uh, elite coaching clients know what that is and use that
0: right so, so premier coaching clients that's on the website just go and search for ultimate addendum but these are some for examples of ways you guys can get caught out in a market like this with flaky lenders letters so they'll usually not do a three merge or they'll usually not check with all three credit reporting agencies you need to make sure that they do that you need to, so for example employment the maybe they have a job they went from being a cobbler to a you know, candlestick maker, and they were getting hundred thousand a year as a cobbler and a hundred thousand a year as a candlestick maker. Well, because it's a different industry, even though the income's the same, the lender actually might not approve the loan at the eleven o'clock hour, like Julie said, because of the fact that it was a different age, a different industry. Um, the other ones were like this is a tricky one, and I remember Julie and I actually started putting this ultimate addendum together after a very good listing or listing agent was selling one of our houses. And she basically slipped this little thing into the purchase contract. And this is where the ultimate addendum actually started to get formulated. And we've been evolving it ever since. But what happened is she actually submitted a, a non-contingent of home sale uh, buyer offer on one of our listings. and the But it and it's read and sounded perfect, right? Good price. Everything's 30-day you know, closings back in the day, right? And then what we didn't realize is, and yes, she included the lender's letter. And what we didn't realize was the house purchase wasn't subject to the sale of the house, but the financing was subject to the sale of the house. So what she did is she was able to sneak a home sale contingency um, past us because it was financed contingency, which we accepted, which the seller accepted. So I hope you guys can see all the little sneaky ways. There's so many ways that that
1: get in there. I've seen it be secretly contingent on a divorce decree, Mm -hmm. which isn't going to be disclosed in the lender letter. I've seen supposedly cash deals. Well, where's the cash coming from? Do they have that proof of funds? Where is it coming from? So it is appropriate for you to be asking those questions. And Tim, I've been thinking about this too. I wonder whether lenders are going to have an extra overlay to where you're employed and get it. You know, they could get all cranked up about that. I would not be a bit surprised, especially the more conservative ones like Wells Fargo and those types of guys. So, but let's talk about. Eye-
0: yeah. So back in Julie and I knew the housing crash was coming back in 06. Um, we weren't you know we weren 't on in the movie the big short, but we were smart enough to see it and i 'll tell you how we saw it because Julie and I had been coaching for a long time, but prior to selling coaching, we sold real estate for a long time and our market when we sold real estate, it was not a lot, but maybe ten or fifteen percent of all the deals we did were short sales and we knew when a market was shifting, we knew the next natural thing would happen is all the people at the lower down payments were going to if having to sell we 're not going to be able to sell without losing money, thus a short sale. And so we are the first company in the nation, coaching company in the nation to introduce short sales. It was where a lot of our longtime coaching clients originally met with Julie and I for the first time because we are showing them how to make money and survive and thrive in a changing market. Because all most of the loans that you guys have been seeing going through in really the past two, maybe three years have been not subprime necessarily, but very low down payments. And here's what I want you to remember. Remember I told you this. Just because... Somebody is doesn't have equity in their house doesn't mean that they're uh, just uh, urgently going to sell. But, you know, so don't don't kind of correlate those two things. And even if they're underwater, they're not necessarily going to sell because they need a place to live. But what does happen is when someone is seeing the value of their property drop, they don't want to be the last guy out. It's like that. Julie, what's that game that Zoe plays in kindergarten where they're all running around the chairs?
1: Red, it's not Red Robin, but I'm Duck Duck
0: Goose. Duck Duck Goose, yeah. So what happens in a neighborhood as soon as some one person leaves um, the neighborhood, and you know, and it'll, by leaving I mean they don't even sometimes put it for sale, they just leave. Then what you're going to see is all the neighbors, and it's just like dominoes, and they all start to you know collapse at the same time. A lot of you who are in the housing market back in the day, you know what I'm saying. But here's the thing that's changed. When so Julie and I are in our late late 40s. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're later than than I am. Monday's yeah. coming.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm fifty on Monday. So um when what was different because of and what is different now because of the housing crash is the expectation that people won't want to short sale or maybe even have a bankruptcy and it used to be when you know we were growing up you did not default on your home mortgage you just didn't and now what we saw from the last housing crash is people and it's all over the internet how to do it people know how to game the mortgage foreclosure process they know how to stay in their houses for free um, so here's an interesting uh, stat that came out of the last um, housing crash that was completely new for people's behavior. 90% of the time or something like that, when someone misses their first payment, they're they're gone. They never catch it back up and they never, uh, that's it, they're gone. They're basically going to default 90% of the time. So one of the things you guys should be paying attention to are the notice of defaults. But the notice of default thing is actually a little bit dubious too, depending on what state you're in. And we're seeing this now already in some of our uh, markets where we have a high density of coaching clients. The, they know, the coaching clients know, because they're meeting with the sellers, that the houses are, they're not making payments on their houses. This is happening in Florida, happening in California, happening in other markets like that. So they're not making payments on their houses, and yet public information isn't reflecting the fact the houses is in fault. Because what's happening is the, the banks aren't actually... Uh, making it public that the people are missing their payments. Now, that's what they started doing at the end of the housing boom when the banks were trying to look healthier than they were. They didn't want to report the number of defaults that they had that were looming. And so what they did is they didn't file the essentially start the foreclosure process. We can't be sure that that's happening now, but it feels a lot like it did to us back in 06 and 07. And it only takes, because people are 99% emotional, it only takes a little bit of a change in the direction of the wind for people to start to overreact and essentially do what they did back then. The expectation now is, because of the housing crash, that you can walk away from your mortgage and you can buy another house within 24 months or less. So the negative ramifications of somebody defaulting they don't really exist anymore not like they did say when Julie and I were selling real estate in the in the 90s so just keep all these things in mind and don't assume if you don't have somebody that was selling as as a mentor or somebody who's you know essentially been around for a long time if they didn't sell in the last housing crash you need to upgrade your mentors if they didn't sell a lot in the last housing crash you really need to upgrade your mentors because they people that have only sold real estate since really 2008 you have no clue about what might be coming if people start to really overreact at a high, in a high percentage. Um, we're going to obviously tell you, but I doubt if anybody else is, because guess what? They don't want you to overreact. So if your broker and your office manager were to start telling you, you know, that these dark clouds are forming on the horizon, you probably are going to freak out and you probably are going to cause, you know, all kinds of extra work for them to have to put your, essentially your, uh, your ego back together because you're operating out of fear. Um. We're not trying to scare you, but I'm just letting you know that you need, as a business owner, to watch out for yourself because nobody else will. Don't wait for some sort of big announcement from your broker or your office manager or whatever to tell you that, look, this is what's happening. This is what you need to do now because they're not going to tell you. You're going to have to understand that when you're a business owner, ultimately, you have to have your own back. Now, we'll do our best to tell you if we think something really uh, you know, bad is looming. We don't right now. Yes, many of the markets across the country are in a corrective cycle and we are not anticipating a housing crash. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But there could be trickles of a housing crash as, like I said, 60 to 90 days from now, you start seeing there's fewer uh, home sales and fewer pendings and all the rest of it. And then people are then going to start emotionally reacting and then the buyers are going to start thinking, well, if there's fewer home sales, that means prices are going to drop And you guys see how a market shifts. And that's all it takes. It just takes one stupid coronavirus out of China for the party to be over. And it's very possible that's exactly what's happening. Here, just ask yourselves this question. Why did the housing market burst back in 07 and 08? Why did that happen? Why? There wasn't just some big announcement. It's happened because people lost the emotional attachment to the idea that owning a home is like a winning lottery ticket. They just didn't believe the prices continued to drop, or I'm sorry, increase. And so what did they do? They bailed on their mortgages. That's all it took. So please don't forget that if you've lived through it. And if you haven't lived through it, just remember what I just told you. you got to be looking 60 to 90 days out, and you have to be really, really smart, which brings Julie to point number six. Six.
1: Number six, be the leader. Be the calm in the storm, the light in the fog. When people lack information and lack leadership, they tend to do nothing. Be their resource so they can stay focused and move forward. You can kind of tell what direction things are going when you see, you know, like some of the stories I've had from coaching clients all week long. The volatility and the emotional response is heightened for sure. So I remember you know, 9-11, I remember the, the stock market crash. I, I remember, when people are, remember when people are pending, sometimes they come unglued anyway, even if the deal is completely perfect because it's a huge transaction for most people. They're already emotionally on the edge. Then they turn on the news, right? So expect that, but your job is to be the leader not the follower.
0: And we wrote a lot and, and shared with a lot of you guys some very specific drill down tips on what that actually means on yesterday's and the day before podcast. So go back and listen to that one. Julie, can you give them the name of yesterday's podcast? Just in go a to. Second. Yeah. Okay. Next point make lemons. Point number seven. That's uh, my
1: favorite point number seven. So go ahead.
0: <laughs> All right. Make lemonade out of lemons. Popeyes with hand sanitizer and tissues. This is great, Julie. And, you know, you could even write on a little note germs can be scary, but real estate doesn't have to be, right? So use this as an opportunity to get in front of your centers of influence and past clients. If there's a softball game that's going on this weekend that you're going to, a church gathering, it does not matter. Get a whole bunch of very inexpensive hand sanitizers and write a little note on it. It is a really great idea and people will completely remember you. Here's an idea, write the note on the back of your business card and then attach the hand sanitizer to the business card. I'm you know what I'm Yeah, to the business card. You could just use rubber bands. It doesn't have to be some elaborate art project. But Get in front of people's fears and they will remember you. You will absolutely tattoo onto their brains that in a time of stress, and a time of trouble, you stepped into the breach and you made them feel better. This is a huge opportunity for all of you. Take that simple yet powerful idea seriously. Point number eight, Julie.
1: Yes. And yesterday's show is called, How Will You and Your Business Be Affected by Coronavirus? Um, Let me get back over to today's notes. Okay, so... Oh, by the way, there are places that will actually personalize those hand sanitizer uh, bottles or sprays. So you can actually put that saying along with your name, your phone number on the bottle. So, all right. Actually,
0: Julie, yesterday's podcast was called Will Coronavirus Fears Kill the Housing Market? So if you want to read um, the points that we came up with yesterday uh, with regards to um, an action plan for your centers of influence and past client, please go to Will Coronavirus Fears Kill the Housing Market? All right.
1: Yes, and Tim, I'm also reminded we have to resurrect this. You remember the prescription bottle that says in case of of, uh, real estate freakout, take three of these and wait till morning to call me? That was uh, M&Ms in the little prescription bottle. We need to have those labels brought back. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Okay, point number eight. Know that this will also pass and we'll be on to the next thing soon enough. Well, we already (laughs) know what the next thing is. It's the election, but there's probably going to be more waiting in between. So persevere, avoid politics. And I wrote sanitize your environment as well as your mindset. That's awesome. You got to do both.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, go to coaching clients. There's a lot of specific stuff about mindset with regards to this, but podcast listeners just go to uh, timandjulieharris.com and search out uh, the words media free. And then you'll find podcasts we've done specifically on that. But I'll tell you the real thing you you guys should all seriously consider doing is completely and totally shutting yourself. Just cut the cable, because <laughs> you know that really is smart. And if you want to, if anything really noteworthy happens in the news, you're going to hear about it. You don't have to be the one that's um, essentially in the breach of listening to all the fear and drama. Um, that everyone's essentially addicted to. They really are, it's it's an addiction. You actually get a chemical release when you hear scary news. And that's the reason the, um, the headlines and that's the reason all the stories are constantly hammering you in that specific way because they know that your dopamine response is gonna make it so that you become addicted to watching their news channel. This is not crazy talk, guys. This is really how it works. Point number nine, Julie.
1: Point number nine, downsize your business expenses. Do it before you're forced to do it. Do it consciously. Start by stopping the overpayment of your current broker, for example.
0: Go through all of your expenses and really ask yourself whether this is going to put money in your pocket in the next 30 or 60 days. And if you cannot say without a shadow of a doubt that it will, then you need to stop doing it. And I'm talking about the drip campaigns. I'm talking about the logos and the websites. I'm talking about all the things that you guys waste money and your time on when you should be focusing on getting in front of as many clients as you possibly can. Again, we said this throughout today's podcast. We said it yesterday and the day before. This is a time for you to be a leader. This is a time for you to actually get in front of people with the facts and figures and make them feel better. Everyone's a little bit on edge because of all the hype. So step into the breach, show them that everything's going to be fine. Arm yourself with some statistics and facts about the coronavirus or whatever else comes next and then have that handy and go talk with people. And you will find that that is going to form everlasting relationships that will essentially keep your real estate business strong for years and years and years. Now, Julie said one of the first things you should seriously take a look at is the amount of money you're paying your broker. Because when the market slows down, most brokers are only on a 2 or 3% margin. In other words, they're barely getting by themselves. And that's the reason most brokers are still selling real estate, guys. Because the brokerage itself and the traditional bricks and mortar um business model does not work it doesn't work because the broker it works it doesn't work because the business model expenses have gone up commission splits the agents have gone up it's virtually impossible for any broker to make anything close to a profit in a market like what we're experiencing and as soon as that market slows down you're going to see most of these brokers Um, you know, it's, it's going to be sad. It's going to be scary, but it happens every time the market shifts, you're going to see a lot of these brokers go out of business and what they have a tendency to do is they wait too long. And, um, don't, if you're a broker and you're listening, as I say this, don't wait too long. That's the biggest mistake you can make. Don't start dipping into your savings. Don't take out a personal loan. Don't you know do any of the silly things that a lot of people do, hoping and praying that tomorrow will be better. If you see a significant shift in the housing market and you're already basically making no money from your brokerage, it's time for you to bail. Okay? There's an old saying that when the going gets tough, the smart leave. The going is getting tough, and the smart, which hopefully is all of you, will be leaving. Um, and that's again, I know that's hard emotionally to think about. But it's also the reason I think one of the biggest reasons that so many, you know, brokers of all sizes are moving over to EXP because that gives them an opportunity to keep their brokerage brand. And yet they're, they're brokered by EXP. So they don't have to go through the emotional unraveling of essentially having a brokerage that essentially now is part of a national brokerage and having to explain to people why, you know, all the ego things that you guys are fearful of. If you switch over to EXP, they want you to keep your brand. They want you to keep your identity. Um, they want you to keep who you are, and they want to take essentially the heavy lifting off your shoulders, so you can focus on getting your finances in order, so that you can survive this inevitably changing market. Again, I want to say this: we do not predict any kind of housing crash, but I, all the pieces are on the board for a housing crash. It's all there. Um, all it takes is a onslaught of negative news and people's sentiment about. Uh, selling a house let alone buying a house will change the smart agents are going to do everything we just said and the first thing you guys got to do is just do this list in the opposite order make sure you are looking at your expenses first if you guys would like to talk with me about exp realty just text the word exp to 31996 text the word exp to 31996 julie anything else you'd like to say to these guys as we round the bend
1: stay frosty things are changing all around you You can't stop them from changing, so make sure that you're the leader and get that listing inventory up.
0: There you go, guys. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show anytime. Remember, you can download and stream our podcast from any of the popular uh, iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere. It's everywhere. It's on Spotify, everywhere you can possibly imagine uh, a podcast will be. It's there. And you can also stream it and download it directly from timandjulieharris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow.